the floor was very deteriorated and questionable, right? So like, it was one of these where you, you really had to watch where you walked. And this was a rehab. And my project manager went into the property and was holding um, the, so we ended up replacing this, the back door for security purposes. He's holding the door over his head, walking to the property, and all I hear is boom, boom, boom. And I turn around and he's gone. Welcome to the Freedom Chasers podcast, where we bring you interviews and discussions that share the stories, successes, goals, and dreams of real estate agents and real estate investors pursuing a life of purpose and freedom. Um, today, we're pumped to have Max Fish, um, serial entrepreneur, um, obviously working in the real estate investing space. So, Max, we are pumped to have you on the show today. We'd love to kick it off with a story, man. So could you tell us one of the craziest real estate transactions or experiences that you've had? Absolutely. Well, first, uh, you know, Tim, uh, Matt, thanks for having me. Um, you know, excited to be here. And uh, it took a look uh, a few days back, you know, checked out the uh, the podcast. And, uh, you know, I'm excited about what you guys are doing. So, um, again, thank you for the uh, for the invite. Uh, crazy real estate story. Um I'm I'm in the Philadelphia market, so we see a lot of crazy stuff. I guess probably uh, one of the craziest stories I can think of. Well, not to get not to go down a rabbit hole, but um, I had one of my acquisitions uh, guys had found the property. We uh, had contracted the property, and I had to make the decision if we wanted to um, wholesale the property or you know purchase it and rehab it. And so I went to look at the property. It was in Philadelphia. And it was interesting because uh, I believe two or three weeks prior, there was a situation where a uh, property had collapsed uh, on um, some of these workers and sadly a, a guy had passed away. So, mm. um, and, and it was fully permitted and everything. I mean, it was a, it was a big deal. So uh, I go to this property and, and it like looks like it's about to fall over, you know, literally. Uh, old abandoned boarded up brick row home in Philadelphia. And, uh, and that story came to mind because at the time it was a very big, um, it was a very big story and there had been a few of them over the, the years. And again, it's going back maybe a few years, two, three years or something. Well, anyway, long story short, I'm looking at this house. I'm trying to decide, mm, I don't know. I don't know. And we end up say, yeah, let's go in. So now the, again, it's all boarded up. So we, we, we take the plywood off the door and we walk in and the only thing that there was literally was a front facade. I, I mean, what? no BS. There was, uh, there was, there's no, no structural part of this building at all. Literally, like <laughs> no floors, no roof, no no back wall, no nothing. So I knock on the neighbor's, uh, I knock on the neighbor's uh, uh, door, and I said, uh, "What's going on next door?" And she goes, "It's just a face, it's just a face." And I was like, uh, "Okay, that's interesting." Uh, so we ended up. Um, we ended up passing on the deal. We wholesaled it, and uh, the guy to rehab made a fortune. It was a, it was a terrible, uh, uh, terrible uh, miss on my part. But you know, the 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 point there is that the uh, I was concerned about going to this property for fear it might fall over, and it, it, there was nothing there. <laughs> nothing and, to uh, fall over. <laughs> and it, yeah, it was just yeah. So it was just I, maybe it's goofy. I don't know if it's crazy, but um, you know, I. I could certainly give you more, maybe something a little more salacious, but. Um, Do you have any pictures of this? Um, I, I take pictures of everything, so yeah. I'm sure I do. It would take me a little while to find it, but if you want it, I'll, I'll see if I can find it. Sure. Yeah. If it's not too much trouble, I, I think that'd be, that's such a, I've never heard anything like that. So like, just to get a little bit more detail. So was it literally just the one wall or were there 
Because there had to be some part of some sidewalls to... so Yeah, so there's what they call the party walls, which is essentially a thicker uh, wall that uh, is shared by two units in a row home situation. So yeah, I guess to get more specific, there was technically three walls, right? There was the front facade, those two party walls, but there was nothing in the rear. The whole roof uh, had, um, I assume it was probably water damage and then ultimately... Um, fell in, but it was funny because you know there was a big pile of debris down in the in the basement because you could see down there. Um, but uh, yeah, it was. <laughs> and we've had that happen. As a matter of fact, you know what? You want a funny story? So I do. Uh, real quick, real quick. So I I, uh, I buy this property. Uh, it was in uh, it was uh, 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 oh God South Nineteenth Street, I believe, in Philadelphia. So South Philly. Good area, a little bit of a busy street corner property, beautiful. So very similar situation, uh, except this property had a roof, it had its walls and all that, but the the floor was very deteriorated and questionable, right? So like it was one of these where you you really had to watch where you walk. And this was a rehab. And my project manager went into the property and was holding um, the, so we ended up replacing this, the back door for security purposes when we first bought. He's holding the door over his head, walking the property, and all I hear is boom, boom, boom. And I turn around and he's gone. What? He's gone. He stepped, he fell through the floor, and you know the door obviously stayed. Right, Did the door the save him? He was down in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. So, oh, so maybe God. that's, maybe that's a bad, that's a story I should have led with, but uh, thank God he wasn't oh. hurt. Great. Cause the first thing I'm thinking is, Oh my God, you know, my worker's comp, who knows what <laughs> right? happened. This poor guy ran to Paul's wife, you know, yeah. but um, you know, so uh, yeah. So you, you gotta be very careful, um, you know, in, in some of these properties, but yeah, I mean, I can tell stories like that forever. I mean, I made a big joke, taking a picture of a, of a, a dead cat. Uh, we found this property. The person uh, had a pet cat oh. and the, Nobody had been in this property for so long. The cat was like literally had decomposed in the corner. I mean, it was disgusting, but, um, you know, but, but that's the kind of stuff that we see on a regular, on a regular basis. And these are not like you know, beautiful high class areas. I mean, these are in a lot of places, gentrifying, you're in Philly, you know, gentrifying Philly. ghetto type yeah. properties areas. Yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah. just one more question, one more question, then we'll get to him on this. So he's okay. So walk me through this. He's walking in with a door over his head. Like, so, Yep, because we were going to replace that rear door. So he's walking in now, and he's, you know, he's like, "Oh, got it. Okay, so he's going to go put the door in." Okay, okay, I got you. I hear you. Um, And the floor, you know, the floor could barely support. You know, I mean, I'm six four, six three, six four, something like that. You know, two hundred twenty five pounds. You know, he he was a a little heavier set, so he's a little bit bigger than I was. (laughs) Um, And and I was very, you know, like I mean, tiptoeing because. You know, you, you, it's like walking on mm-hmm. thin ice or something, seriously. And, you know, down in the basement, there's a bunch of debris. So, you know, you know, falling three, four, five feet might not seem like a big deal. But, hey, if you if you if you land on a piece of rebar or, or a piece of steel or or even like a piece of wood sticking straight up in the air, I mean, it can you know, you, you could you could do you know, you could potentially kill yourself. But I mean, you could definitely get seriously, seriously injured. Um, you know, it's, it's a construction construction site. So. Oh, definitely. Without a doubt. So, I mean, actually, your dead cat story reminded me of one of my own. <laughs> so, um, we got this property. So, we're in, this is in the west suburbs of Chicago. Um, and we buy it. 
and we go in there and we find a dead raccoon in one of the vents. They got caught and like you could see the struggle on the way out. It was just, it was terrible. Um, and it was obviously totally decomposed and everything. And, and, you know, luckily I didn't have to take care of that situation, but it wasn't an easy one to fix. Obviously the raccoon that got stuck, that was struggling mightily to get out, wasn't able to. So, I mean, it wasn't easy to d dig them out either. Um, <laughs> so that's the kind of things that happen, right? I mean, you did say a comment earlier that I need to dig into. Please. You said you had some more salacious stories. Um, so, I mean... That word means sexual to me in nature or perhaps inappropriate, right? So, I mean, I want to hear it now. You can't just throw that out there. Um, yeah, well, <laughs> you know, what, I, what I was referring to is um, the clickbait type stuff, you know. Um, okay. I, hey, listen, I, you know, I'm, uh, I've spent um, quite a bit of time in the real estate space. Um, my primary market is Philadelphia and the surrounding suburbs. And, uh, you know, you meet a lot of interesting people. And I'm somebody who is not uh, afraid uh, to go places, but I'm not naive either. And I and I'm, you know, there's there's been situations where um, I've had to tell my acquisitions guy, you know, say I'm doing a ride along, and I say, listen, don't park out front of the the house. And when he says, why? Why? What's the big deal? I say, because if you have to get out of there in a hurry for some reason, um, you want to be able to run around the corner and jump in your car and get some distance. And, uh, you know, that kind of stuff, most people don't, they, they, that's just not, uh, part of their process, not part of their, their, their deal. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, I've had everything I, I had, a uh, I, I swear to God, she was either a homeless woman or a drunk or something. I had her, she was, um, she was, uh, we were looking at a property, me and my project manager, uh, covering for my guy. And, uh, she's walking down the, the street and middle of the street. And all I hear is, Hey, Hey, I'm turn around and. I said, uh, can I help you? And she says, yeah. She says, uh, you single? And I said, well, um, no, why? And she goes, mm -hmm. oh. she goes, God damn. She goes, your, your wife is crazy letting you outside by yourself. Because I, I would snatch you up or something like that. And I'm going like, what? I mean, that's the kind of insane stuff that, that, that we, we deal with on a pretty frequent basis. So, you know, that's why I say crazy story. You know, like how crazy do we really want to get here? Now, um, well, six foot four with the hair that you got and that smile. I'm sure hey, man, you know, uh, look, I, I, I definitely stand out in certain parts of, of, of Philadelphia. I'll, I'll admit that, <laughs> um, you know, but uh, but yeah, the, the stuff that we see, I mean, some 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 guy in the Midwest working in a in maybe in a smaller or a suburban market is not going to experience the kind of stuff we see. And listen, some of it's funny. Some of it's like. I mean, one of my guys, um, I actually had to tell one of my guys, listen, don't do that next time if you don't want to, because he uh, he was in a situation where um, I'm pretty certain that these guys were either trying to steal his car or do something. And and uh, the only reason that it didn't happen was because there were drug dealers on the block and they kind of like shut the whole thing down because they didn't want any any attention, any police attention. But I mean, like the guy's life could have been in danger. Like, I mean, and that's mm. serious, you know? Um, so I want to dive into that a little bit. So I want to dive, I want to dive into the fact that, you know, maybe it's your size, but obviously it's mindset. So what leads you to be so fearless? I mean, a lot of people and probably reasonably so are, are you know, concerned about safety, but obviously you're, you're tactical, but do you know, like, was there a point that it happened or were you always just fearless when it came to areas that you worked in? Well, here, well, that you know, and that's funny. That's a good question. Um, I, 
I I don't know that it's it's that I'm fearless as much as um, I chose to operate here. Um, I sincerely like the city. I enjoy people and engagement and talk. That woman that I, I mentioned that was that was you know hitting on me. Um, you know, I, 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 you know, definitely gave it back to her a little bit and had some fun with it. Cause you know, I, I, if you can't figure out a way to make that kind of stuff fun for you, whatever that means, then, you know, you know, you might as well go get a job as a librarian or, or something, because, yeah. you know, that kind of stuff is going to happen and you can't get upset or whatever. Right. Um, so, you know, I think for me, I, I chose the city. I, I understand it. Um, and you know, it's just, it's just part of the deal. Um, I would never work for the utility company as a linesman because, uh, that shit scares me, you know, um, other guys, they put on the big rubber gloves and they play with those wires and it's, it's like no big deal. So I, I think it's the same kind of thing. Um, you know, you, there are concealed carry laws and that kind of stuff. So, you know, if you really were concerned and you wanted to make sure that your, your, you know, your, uh, personal safety is not, uh, jeopardized in any way, there, there's things that you can do to protect yourself. You could, you know, we, we could send two acquisitions guys to every, every deal. Um, in my experience, if you want trouble, you, you either have to create it or go looking for it. Right. Um, anybody who suggests that by going into, um, the worst ghetto in the world in broad daylight and you, you know, and something bad's going to happen, doesn't know what they're talking about. That's not to say something bad won't happen, but most, I have never had an issue, knock on wood. I've never had an issue like that in Philly, but I'm, you know, I'm respectful to people. I say, hello, if a situation looks bad, I'm getting out of there. I'm not looking to get in a mm -hmm. knife fight or a gunfight with a bunch of guys. You know, no, thank you. Um, and, um, you know, and like the drug dealers, you know, I, I don't like drive by staring at them. You know, I just, hey, you do your business. I do mine, you know, whatever. So there's, there's, I guess there's just, there's just rules of the road. And, um, you know, I, uh, some of it I find, you know, I find humorous. I find entertaining, uh, you know. So where where else can you go do some of the stuff we've mentioned so far? Uh, make you know a bunch of money and um, you know uh, um, be able to see all this cool stuff. I mean, I could tell you about the property we bought that had a wooden toilet in the basement. Swear <laughs> to God, uh, I could wow. tell you like the falling down stuff. I mean, I could go on and on and on. I mean, a wooden I, toilet. Yeah. Imagine getting a splinter just sitting on that thing. Well, um, no, it wasn't what you think, but. <laughs> okay. It, I was about to say, that doesn't sound right. A wooden, um, <laughs> yeah, but seriously, it was a, a wooden toilet. It was, you know, something from, um, you know, bazillion years ago. Um, I met a guy right. who had an opportunity to, uh, to play jazz with, I forget who it was, some extremely famous uh, jazz musician, but chose to get married um, instead and uh, he was 80 something years old and I bought the property that he inherited from his grandmother, right? Like stuff like that. So, you know, just, I think that's what motivates me to look past the potential, um, you know, the potential issues or the potential, um, you know, concerns of safety and, and things like that. Um, but I'm, again, I'm also not naive, right? I, we don't, yeah, myself or my guys, we, we do not go, we're not going to go to the, the worst parts of the city, look at a property in the middle of the night, you know, things like that. It's just, yeah. you know, so, 
Um, of course. I, I don't know if that answers yeah, your question, caution. but but I I that's that's what I would say. Oh, it certainly does. So I mean, I'm Chicago, right? So I mean, I'm I'm sure I have a lot of similar experiences as you. Um, there's many a times I've had to take in like it'll be an REO or something. I'm like, oh, you just have to take the board off. And it's like, when you go there, you know, the neighbors are going to call the cops on you and stuff. And it's just like, um, (laughs) there's just been numerous. I mean, I could talk about these stories for days. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think you said something that was very, very important. Most violence in in particular, especially in Chicago, is targeted, right? So, I mean, just because you're in the wrong neighborhood doesn't necessarily mean something bad is going to happen to you. Um, If you look like you don't belong, you will probably become a target. Um, But if you're pretty good at blending in, um, it's really not that hard to stay safe, even in bad neighborhoods, as long as you're not messing with the wrong people. Um, well, but, you know, you might get unlucky and be driving the wrong car. I, that's wrong exactly what I was going to say. Um, <laughs> yeah, you want to take your yeah. brand new Mercedes Benz so, to the ghetto? People are going to people are going to yeah. see it. Whether anything will yeah. happen or not, who knows? Um, you know, you're going to walk around with your fancy Rolex on. You know, you're just asking for trouble. You know. Um, mm-hmm. It, 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 I, I could rattle off a dozen countries where, you know, you, you don't drive a nice car for that reason, you know? So it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's just being mindful of where you are. And, and that's really situational awareness is by far yeah. the best defensive measure in my mind. Um, you know, I, some guys walking behind me, I'm, you know, I'm taking a glance, you know, what's he doing? Yeah. Uh, some, you know, I, I just I'm, I, I try to be aware, and that's the that's the thing that I find um, to be the, the the best way to keep yourself out of harm's way. Um, you know, because it's uh, it, look, most people are good people. I, I don't care who they are, what color they are, what religion they are. Most people are good people, and you know, sadly, there's a lot of people in in that live in parts of the city that you know I, I would say in most cases, guys like us would never go. I uh, certainly never have a reason to go unless, you know, obviously we're working. Um, and, uh, and, and there's people that live there that very much want guys like us to come in and, and improve the neighborhood. You know, they are good people. They just, they don't have the financial means to move out of that area. And, and, uh, and they dislike the crime and then the nonsense that goes on just as much as anybody else. They just don't have the wherewithal or the means to, to, to change it. So, um, you know, it's, uh, the few times that I've had people like, you know, that like get, get loud with me or something like that, I, uh, it's typically like, I'm, you know, I'm moving on kind of thing. Um, and the last thing I'll say, quite honestly, what, what concerns me more than anything, um, is, uh, is a squatter in a, in a property and he or she is, um, uh, is a, a, a drug uh, drug user uh, like needles and uh, and either stepping on or getting stabbed with a needle. I, I, I knew a guy that actually um, he actually did have somebody jump out of a closet and, and stab him with a needle. I don't know if it was on purpose or not, but it was some homeless guy squatting. He was a drug person and he was very, he was very, very concerned and luckily got tested. No, uh, you know, no AIDS or, or hepatitis or any of that kind of stuff. But that's what actually concerns me more than like a, somebody trying to stick me up or, or stick, you know, take my car or something like that. For sure. I mean, man, I wish I could talk about stories all day, but I mean, I'd love to get into your origin story, man, because you have a very unique one. So, I mean, you've done mortgages, you've been in the finance industry. Um, let's talk about your journey. Like, where did you start? How did you get into real estate investing and how did that look? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, 
Uh, I appreciate you, you know, kind of course correcting me here because mm-hmm. I, uh, I certainly could, could tell war stories, um, you know, all day. So, so thank you. Um, yeah. So I started in a real estate business, uh, early two thousands. Um, I, uh, um, was, I was in, uh, I was in college, you know, community college. I got a, um, uh, friend of mine, I, I, what was I doing? I guess I was selling cars or something in college. Uh, you know, so I'm like, this is like 18, you know, 19, something like that. And a buddy of mine had started a mortgage company and said, oh, you got to come work for me. You know, you'll, you'll make lots of money. It'll be really great. And, you know, me being a, you know, a cocky little, you know, 18, 19 year old kid, I said, uh, I said, I said, man, I'm going to make like 50, 60 grand this year. No way. I, what, what do you, he looks at me and goes, I made that last month. I went, ah, uh, okay. Long story short, I went to work for him. I, uh, I did some mortgages and, um, that was a real eye opener because I, I was exposed to a lot of people and a lot of stuff that I had had not otherwise um, had exposure to. And, um, you know, and I, I grew up, you know, um, two parents, you know, they're still together, um, you know, educated. Um, you know, my mom, for the most part, stayed home until we were in our teens. Um, you know, my dad, certified financial planner, you know, so, so I was exposed to a lot of stuff. Right. Um, and, uh, so, so going to work for Dave, uh, was interesting. I learned a lot. Well, about six months in, I saw a property, uh, for sale, uh, by the builder. And, um, you know, at this point I'm, you know, I don't know, 20 or something, 19, 20, whatever it was. And, um, uh, I, you know, it was in the business six months. Uh, I had done, you know, I don't know, half a dozen transactions or something through between learning and kind of getting things moving. And uh, again, cocky kid, of course, at this point, I know everything there is to know. Right. So I'm like, man, I'm a, let's call. I, I know what the house is worth. And, and uh, so I, I call and they tell me the price. And I immediately knew from doing appraisals that that was a phenomenal deal. So I said, listen, I'd like to purchase property. I don't even want to negotiate. Go ahead and, you know, set up the uh, draft, the contract and I'll, I'll come to your office tomorrow and execute it. And I did. They agreed to a $500 uh, deposit. And uh, purchased the property, and uh, I made thirty thousand eight eighty one when it was all done. It was a very light kind of paint and carpet rehab. Uh, it was a deal that I wouldn't do today because of the mm-hmm. risks. Um, but again, I was a young, cocky kid, six months in business. I knew everything, you know. Uh, but it did work out, and that was my on. That was my first flip. You know, that was my um, uh, exposure. You know, to the business. I mean, I. I you know, brought in a buddy. It actually, it was a client who became a friend who was a contractor. I got him to do the work. I mean, I really, um, I, I really did a lot. I got, but again, I got very lucky. And um, so that was, so that's kind of how that went. And, and uh, eventually exited that business and focused solely on the real estate um, side of things. Um, you know, because as we all know, the mortgage business got a little hectic there. Got um, crazy. 2008. Everyone who listens to our show knows Tim and I are passionate about obtaining financial freedom through real estate investing. We also know that everyone's situations and goals are different. And while there are programs out there that show you a path to financial freedom, many of these programs are just too cookie cutter and don't take your personality, situation, and desired outcome into account. Think about the number of times that you've watched a guru online and tried to do the exact same thing as they did, but had nowhere near the same results. You are not alone. When I got started, I was continually paying for courses and getting only partial results until I discovered the path that made sense for me. The results prove this out. Most online course creators have let us in on their dirty secrets that 90 to 95% of their students never complete their course and achieve their desired outcome. This is not something that we're okay with. 
The benefit of working with Tim and I is that we are interviewing between five and 20 people every single week. We have accumulated hundreds of seven-figure strategies and gotten inside scoop from these successful entrepreneurs. We're able to work with you to pick the strategy that will best fit and then help you create the custom plan to take you quickly into financial freedom. As a former math teacher, I always taught my students that the fastest way between two points is a straight line. If you want to get rid of the many curves in the road that can make the journey longer and more costly, then go to coaching.freedomchaserspodcast.com and book a call with us. And let's get you on a straight line path to freedom. Yeah, I'd like to guide the conversation a little bit too. So I think one of the things that I'm seeing that you have a unique gift in is you talk about situational awareness. Like I think you talk about maybe luck and I'm sure there was some of that, but you seem to be able to understand people and to structure things well, you know, and obviously I think that's what played so well for you in that deal. Mm -hmm. One thing that I don't see very often that I want to dive in with you on is most people want to play it safe in many respects, one of which is the area that they work. Can you detail for uh, for us, can you detail why you wanted to go into some of these bad or bad areas or, you know, what led you there? Yeah, and yeah, because absolutely. obviously so, there's some crazy opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I would say first things first, I, um, I have always been someone who is willing to take risks, right, wrong, whatever, you know, my, uh, my fiance is the exact opposite, extremely conservative, same job, W2 job, 15 years. She's in actually in title insurance. Um, and, uh, you know, that's fine. You know, Hey, everybody's, uh, everybody's a little different. Um, I don't think she would start her own business on a dare. Uh, even if I financed it, <laughs> that's just how she is. Um, and that's cool. You know, we're all different. So I think I inherent risk taker, um, I have made plenty of poor decisions. I've had, you know, a handful of failures. Um, you know, but I think that that mentality is required for long-term success in any industry, but specifically the real estate business, because there is no safe play that, that in which you can make a business, right? You just, you just can't, uh, in my opinion. So, um, as far as, you know, how that relates to like where I work, it's, it's, sim it's, it's as simple as this. Um, so I was born and raised in South Jersey. That first flip was in South Jersey. Um, but I very quickly realized that the number of transactions that happened in that part of the, of the state, um, because it was a low population, like the whole County, uh, I think the population of the whole County is like a hundred thousand, very, very small. So I thought, well, this is going to be tough if I want to really grow this thing. So that was the one smart thing that I can say that I did was I tried to look forward and, you know, I could sit here and pretend like, you know, I was very smart and calculating and all that, but it was more just kind of going, okay, well, if I wanted to do, you know, I don't know, five of these a year, how does that, how does that happen? And so for that reason, I started talking actually to my, to my, uh, friends and colleagues. I spoke to my father at one point and he had said to me, look, um, you know, you go to a place like Philadelphia, for example, uh, you know, the closest uh, major city, unless you want to call Atlantic City a major city, um, you go to a place like that. And even if you're a small fish, you're still doing extremely well. And that's something that has always stuck with me. I mean, he told me that, I mean, forever ago, you know, it's probably been 20 years, but I, I, I remember it. And, and, that's, I think, what prompted me to to go to Philadelphia versus um, you know, versus really anywhere else, and and I do really like 
um, I really do like Philadelphia, uh, and you know, I have a house at the shore and so it's, it's, it just, it just really works. Um, to go the other side of the bridge in New Jersey, you know, like Cherry Hill, Haddonfield, that area for those who know. And, uh, for those who don't, it's, you know, it's, um, it's basically just like the suburbs in, um, Pennsylvania outside of Philadelphia. Um, I could have gone there, I, I suppose, but, um, you know, I, uh, there's a lot like, if any of you guys come to Philadelphia, let me take you to the Jamaican place in the ghetto that I absolutely, absolutely love. And it beats any other place I've found anywhere hands down. Right. So like I'm a big food guy, there's like it's stuff like that. You know, I love the orchestra, the symphony stuff. So I think that, um, you know, for personal reasons, I chose Philly, but practically speaking, I had to find another market, um, just because of the volume of transactions. Love that. So it's very similar. Like I live an hour and a half outside of uh, San Francisco and Sacramento. And so I've always had the mindset growing up that like, I'd rather live in the rural areas far away because it's less cost of living. But -hmm. I've come to realize the older I get that while the cost of living might be lower, the opportunity is generally lower too. So, you know, kudos to you to recognize that so can you describe, because we have a lot of questions when we run like investment talks and things about investing out of state, investing out of area. Can you describe the difference of working in a major metro versus working in a small town as far as like opportunities and, you know, why someone should come to a major city? Um, quite frankly, I think now with technology, understand that when I started in the business, Facebook wasn't a thing, Right. And that's, that's really what I say to people when they try to, to, to try to, cause it's like, oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Um, you can get, uh, you know, you can get, uh, um, you know, a, a, a dialer system, you know, for a hundred bucks a month, a few hundred bucks a month. Um, you know, ba- back in the early two thousands, it was like collection agencies and like, um, politicians were the only ones that had them because they were 30, 40, $50,000. Technology has allowed us to do things and access to data um, that were impossible, you know, 10, 15, depending on what we're talking about 20 years ago. Um, So for that reason, I don't think that there is any reason to go to a major, major metro for anybody unless they want to or, you know, maybe there's a situation out there. Um, I mean, I we have clients. I mean, I know guys that are making I mean, they're making a fortune in in markets that are twice as big as where I grew up. You know, so so things have changed. Um, but the reason that 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 I chose that, like I said, was because back then um, it was, uh, you know, it was direct. I, I mean, I did a lot of direct mail. Um, I bought leads. Um, I did some cold calling. But, you know, um, I mean, cold calling, like I paid a buddy of mine to do cold calls for me. And I said, like, you know, the goal is 100 calls a day. You know, that's that's just where we were. Um, so. You know, I, I like um, I, I like where I'm at just because it, it again I, I I have connections here. It works for me now. It's you know I wouldn't I wouldn't change it. But with the technology today, if we had that technology back then, I wouldn't have had to have sought out a bigger market. I, I could have made it work. Um, so I think actually there's an argument to be made uh, against a major metro because of virtual wholesaling. And what you see now is people say, well, oh, I want to market in Pennsylvania. Well, they're probably either going to go to Philly or Pittsburgh because that's, that's all they know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I say to you, my office is in Balakinwood. And you go, where the hell is that? 
Well, I can walk a half a block across the street, City Avenue, and I'm in West Philadelphia, right? Um, so, yeah, I think um, I, I think that the the, the 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 metric or the benchmark should be the number of cash deals in your area, whether that's a zip code, uh, a municipality, or like I do things by county. Um, if you're looking at a, say a county and there's two cash deals a month, and that's how it's been for the last 10 years, <laughs> you got a problem. But, um, but short of that, you can make, you know, again, I know guys that, you know, two, three, 4,000 person population area and, and they're, you know, they got a hell of a business, you know? So. Absolutely, man. I mean, a hundred percent agreed, you know, as technology grows, the capacity to do things grows. And obviously nowadays there are people wholesaling essentially across the country. Right. Yep. Um, so cool. I mean, I, I would love to get into how you've scaled your business. Um, I know you specialize specifically in outsourcing and not only outsourcing your own business, but helping other people. So I would like to get into first off how you were able to scale your business and remove yourself from the equation as much as possible. Mm -hmm. Excellent. So, um, I, I have always been somebody who's set very high goals for myself and I've always been interested in marketing and again, doing a lot of direct mail and, and different things, you know, back in 2003 and four or five, um, as technology continued to develop, I, you know, I may, may not have been on the forefront of that, but I was in tune. Right. Um, I, I would try to probably like anybody, right. Find shortcuts or strategies or, you know, try to find that edge, you know, that, that, that would, you know, make things real easy. And we, you know, we make money hand over fist. Of course, of course it never works out that way. But, um, because of that, I, um, started to systematize my business, my real estate business. Um, and I started to, um, really focus on marketing and to make a, a long story short. Um, I had, uh, at, at the peak, I believe it was eight people, you know, full-time W2 employees in my office in a call center format. Like I actually had cubicles and, you know, just, just, just like you, you, uh, would think. And, um, and uh, we had some some issues. I, I caught a couple of them fighting, literally fist fighting in the bathroom, getting complaints from other tenants and stuff. I mean, it was a mess. Um, I mean, these were $10, dollars an hour people from West Philadelphia, so you can imagine. Um, and uh, a buddy of mine had said, "Why don't you try VAs?" And I was like, "Oh, that's interesting." And so, obviously, needing a solution, I did, and I just kind of got hooked, man. Like I realized that um, you, know, you literally can and should um, outsource everything as much as possible. Um, because the way things are now, you have to be, you, you have to be good to, uh, be better than uh, the competitors enough such that you can sustain yourself and, and, and have like a, um, you know, have a decent income. Uh, and so, you know, for, for, for me to be worried about the bookkeeping is not the best uh, highest and best use of my time. And, um, yeah, so I, I, so I just went crazy and today, uh, that's actually become a whole separate business. Um, and you know, we do, as you said, we do uh, help people, um, scale their business primarily through outsourcing. Uh, and I'm able to do that because I've set up my business in such a way where I literally spend 
10, 15 hours, maybe 20 a week. And that's really focused on the properties we contract. I decide if I want to, I'm, I'm deciding if I want to uh, wholesale them um, or if I want to purchase them. If I purchase them, do I want to rehab them? You know, keep it. What do I want to do? Um, and then creative stuff. Um, and more recently, I've gone into um, lending and, and things like that. So I wouldn't be able to do any of that if if I hadn't outsourced um, literally 95, 98% of my, of my real estate business. Um, and, and I will say too that I've never been, I do have and always have had big goals, but I've never wanted to say do 500 deals a year like some of these guys in my <laughs> real estate business. You know, hats off to them. It's just, just not what I wanted to do. So my business is not small, but it's not it's not big either. It, it does what I want and it allows me to kind of focus on, on some other things because I, I like to have a lot of stuff going on. I, I kind of get bored if I get like in that rut, that monotonous, you know, kind of rut. So um, love, love, love this. So that's let's it. dive into this. I mean, our podcast is all about freedom. And I just love when I hear people saying, I'm not going to follow the mainstream. I'm going to build a business that suits me. Like it's not all about the money. It's not all about the transaction count. It's not about my ego in those ways. It's really about enjoying life. So first of all, kudos to you for having that. It's just such a fit with what we're trying to message out there that it's not all about the grind. It's about being strategic with the way you build your business. Mm -hmm. I'd like you to take us on the journey of going from early stage investor to when did you start to outsource you know, some people outsource too early and, and it's really painful. Some wait too long. If you can walk us through the journey of when and how you outsourced and the lessons you learned from it. So, um, you know, again, I kind of told you the story. Um, you know, I uh, uh, and, you know, I don't know, that was five years ago or something. Maybe I don't I, I always get messed up. So I, you, you got to like plus one everything with COVID these days, plus one year, I mean, Um so, you know, five, five years, six years, something like that. But um, I uh, I was essentially forced to make that transition out of necessity, okay? Because I went from having eight people, I think uh, seven of them were, or maybe six of them were calling, one was doing follow-up and the other one was kind of managing them and doing some other stuff, um, mail programs and things like that. So, you know, I went from, and when I say I let them all go, I mean, I, I, everybody, got, everybody got blown out essentially over like a three day period. Um, and, uh, so I'm now in this position where I have a rather healthy marketing budget. I have nobody working the phones or doing anything. And, um, and I got two acquisitions guys that are going, well, where are all the leads, you know? So, um, so for me, it was, uh, it was a very, a very bumpy kind of, not, not difficult, but you know, um, fast moving, I guess, transition over a, call it a, a year, 18 month period till it really got dialed in. Um, and um, again, I got hooked and, and went, went crazy. Now I had the budget, I had the, you know, the means and, and all that. And, and so, you know, it, was, it wasn't the end of the world. It, 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 it was one of those things where, you know, it's a little short term pain for long-term gain. Now, you know, you you asked a question about um, about other folks, and I I totally agree with you. you know, a lot of people, um, I believe that everybody wants kind of like easy street, right? And I think anybody who who says otherwise is is full of shit. Um, now, that's not to say that there aren't people out there that work hard and want to work hard and all that, but you know, everybody's willing to accept a, a, an edge, I believe. Um, 
And so I think that, you know, there's a, that coupled with the way people market in on the internet, or at least they, they usually do, which is, you know, like, you know, oh, do this or that. And you'll be on the beach while your business makes a bazillion dollars. I don't know of any real estate business that really operates that way, but um, I think for that reason, people will try to move things more quickly than they probably could or should, uh, and they'll outsource too quickly uh, or too late. So every situation is a little bit different, but in general, um, Matt, what I would say is I think that most people know when to outsource, and if they don't, it, it, it's it would be at or around that point at which you either can't get everything done in the day or you are missing opportunities one way or another, right? Whether, whether that's like returning a phone call or, you know, maybe uh, not having adequate time to run all the appointments, you know, I'm like, I'm talking like a one man band situation. Um, but under no circumstances should anybody go, you know, I really don't like doing this or that. So I'm going to outsource it so that they can then go like, you know, I don't know, play Tetris on the computer for half an afternoon or something, right? Like, you Freaking need love Tetris, by the way. Thanks for saying that. Hey, so do I, you know, so do I, but I'm not going <laughs> to, I wouldn't outsource, I wouldn't outsource my <laughs> podcast interview so I could go do that. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So, you know, I think, um, yeah, I think that if you as a business owner, look at your business and you can honestly say that you're, that you would generate more revenue, okay, doing this or that task. And the only way that happens is if you take these handful things off your plate, then you're ready. Okay. Um, the one little caveat there is this, there are things that nobody should do under any circumstance. Okay. So like, if you're somebody who who does your own taxes and you're self-employed, that that's absurd. Okay. Just for the pure fact that there's no way you can do it to the degree an accountant can. So you're like, you're not helping yourself by saving a thousand bucks a year or whatever it is. All right. Um, bookkeeping, and I'm guilty of this. I did my my own bookkeeping for for uh, probably for a while until it, it just got too to be too much. Um, I should have outsourced that a lot sooner. And the reason I didn't was because I, I, I just kind of lost it, lost sight of it. And I, I failed to realize that I could put protections in place. Um, you know, I've had, a, I've had people steal from me in various forms or fashions. Um, and I think I was, I was a little bit scared maybe to, to kind of let that go. Um, but bookkeeping is another great example. Anybody who does their own bookkeeping, unless you have like two transactions a, a month, you're crazy because it's a monotonous, mindless, horrible thing to have to do. And most of us, our highest and best use is closing deals, right? So. Absolutely. So yeah, basically, if you just boil it down, if you could just focus your energies as the owner on money-making activities, ideally, you want to outsource the rest as soon as possible. So 100%. what I would love is... Um, so now we, we've talked about how you've scaled your own business, but obviously um, outsourcing has become something that you're very passionate about en enough to start another business doing it. So, so let's talk about that. Like why is outsourcing so appealing to you and why is it such a awesome business idea for you to help other people do it? So um, I'll start with the, the, I'll start with the latter. Um, I started getting phone calls from friends of mine. Hey, I see you're doing this. I see you're doing that. How are you doing it? Hey, no problem. Here's what you do. I'd get another call. I tried that. Didn't work. You know, all right, try this. And that went on for a few months. And finally, 
um, a good buddy of mine, my buddy Mike calls me up and he says, listen, he says, uh, now this is a guy who's doing, you know, I don't know, 10 transactions a year or something like not, not big volume, but enough that he was, he was doing well. And, uh, um, you know, he did some side work and stuff, but uh, long story short, he says, listen, I, I want you to set me up, but I, just let me pay you and you just do it for me. How's that sound? And I was like, well, I don't, I don't know if I really get involved in this and, you know, my real estate business and, um, but I agreed and, um, it, it went very, very well. And, you know, now he's, I don't know, 150 doors or something, um, kicking butt. And, uh, you know, that just kind of spiraled into, um, you know, what, what we have today, which is, um, you know, uh, considerable size, you know, a significant client list, but also we've started, started to focus on other, uh, verticals outside of the real estate space with a, I actually set up a separate entity. So focus on the small business community and in other, uh, other verticals, um, and, and, and expanded our product offering, our service offering as well. Um, so it's, it's, um, what I really like is, um, I kind of go back and I'm sure you've, you've both read the four hour, uh, work week. And I kind of go back to what Tim Ferriss, uh, you know, he went through that whole thing. I think it was like ask Jeeves or something, but he went through this whole thing about how he, <laughs> you know, jokingly had the, the, the virtual assistant call his, his, his wife or girlfriend or something. time. I, I forget the story, but, um, if you read the book, you know what I mean? And, and, um, it's that, um, I think for me, it's the, it's the idea that you can, you can get an, uh, you know, you like, you can, you can get another person, I call it an assistant, whatever you want to call it. And, and you can, you can literally double your efforts, uh, or maybe exponentially, um, without almost as if it's all you, do you know what I mean? Like it's a, it's a, I don't know. It's just, it just, it, it strikes me as, is different from, you know, just a traditional hire. Um, so I, you know, I think that, I, I kind of go back to the way I started, you know, with the technology and wanting to, you know, stay focused on that and the marketing and all. And I, I just think, you know, you kind of take the, the, the technology aspect that allows it and, and the idea of just being able to do a, a bunch of extra stuff. Um, I mean, it's kind of wishy-washy, but it just, I just get excited, you know, kind of thinking about it and I don't know. Um, and a lot of it can be done remote. It's just, I don't know. It, I, it's just, it's an exciting time to be in business. Let's, let's say that. So, one thing I'd like to know from you, because I just love your creativity. I love how you structure things, how you think about things. And now that you've gone the outsourcing route, you probably more than ever have the ability to structure how you want your life to look like. And okay. so yeah. what would be your ideal picture of freedom? I mean, obviously here on this podcast, we're really aimed towards people living the lives that they want to live and having purpose. So what would you define as your life's purpose and your ideal you know, schedule in existence? That's a really good question. Um, you know, I don't know that I have any one specific answer uh, in, in the sense that I'm not like there's people in this world and I'm envious that can say, I want to spend my entire life coaching, you know, collegiate football. Cool. You know, and they go and they, you know, and they become the best of the best. Great. Um, I've never had that kind of laser focused, you know, um, like I've tried, as I said a little while ago, I've tried and failed a number of times on different things. Um, and I, so I've never been somebody who's like, you know, 
when I was six, I did this. And then I knew that's all I ever want to do for the rest of my life. I, I'm the opposite. I can't do monotonous, you know, monotonous. I'm not, it's just not, I, I, I like new and exciting. Um, and so <clears throat> I, I guess to answer your question, I would say that for me, um, the ideal picture of freedom would be uh, the ability to, to really the ability to, to, to do what I want uh, when I want. So, you know, maybe like time flexibility, uh, which I, I basically have. Um, the ability to, um, the ability to satisfy, you know, the needs of the people that, that I work with, or I mean, it worked for me technically, but I always just say work with, um, you know, and, and then, uh, and then some type of fulfillment piece, right. Whether that's like, you know, get given back kind of like I do now, or maybe something philanthropic. Um, I, I don't ever see myself not working in, 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 the, in terms of like, like I'm not going to turn 70 and then just spend every day, like playing tennis in the morning and sitting on the beach. And, and like, that's seven days a week. I, like, you know, I, I'd shoot myself. I'd go, I'd be bored out of my mind. Um, mm -hmm. So, but with that said, I wouldn't be working at, at this level at, at 70 either, right? I would, I, I, my interest would probably change. I'd probably take more of a focus on helping people and less on like revenue generation for myself. Um, so I, I, that's probably how I would say it. And, and I agree with you that money's not always everything. I think that money is a, is a, is a tool and that's really the only way you can look at it. Um, it's also a great way to keep score. And, and that's just, and by that, I just mean, you know, comparing one business or one venture to another. Um, so yeah, I think that your listeners should, should, you know, um, focus on the, on the thing or things that they enjoy. Cause I think you definitely have to have an interest in the business that you want to be in. Uh, and also um, focus on surrounding themselves with good people, right? Whether they're vendors, um, might even be competitors, uh, potential partners, uh, things like that. Um, it took me a long time to learn that you, you know you really can make uh, you can make a, a, a really a lot you can make a lot of money or, or really uh, turbocharge your business through partnerships and things like that. Um, I always thought going out alone was the move. Right. So, so I think so, those are some things that maybe your listeners should consider when they think freedom. Um, and then, and then you absolutely have to take the mindless stuff or the stuff you hate or whatever off your plate, because I can't imagine anybody's going to say that they're living a life of freedom when, you know, yeah, maybe they only have one thing to do in their business every week for two hours, but they hate it more than anything. Right. I, to me, that that wouldn't be freedom. Mm -hmm. You know, that's that's crazy. So um, I, I, I hate to make it, you know, make it complex. But I think that's I, I, for me, I think that's that's what it is. Um, freedom. Absolutely, man. Yeah. I mean, freedom's an individual thing, which is why it's a great question to ask, because everybody's going to have a different answer. Um, Max would love to know what your vision is for like the next 12 months uh, for myself or just in general or. Um, for business or for yourself, okay. as you said, you're mostly free already. So, I mean, if you, you said you got some fun ideas, so I'm mean, just curious what they are. Okay. Uh, so we're, <clears throat> I have a, I started a, a, um, 
I, for all intents and purposes, I guess you'd call it like a media company, software company, uh, that kind of thing. So we're working on some interesting uh, software uh, stuff. I, you know, I have a couple of um, in-house um, coders, you know, uh, um, you know, stuff I, you know, I, it's way over my head. I, you know, I, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know anything about coding or creating software and that kind of stuff. But so we're, we're, we are working on some interesting uh, software uh, stuff. We're, we're looking at um, tools um you know apps different stuff like that um for for various um elements of the real estate business but also um kind of the small business community in general uh so that's something that is uh about six months in the making and you know we're, we're starting to gain gain a lot of uh, steam there so we're gonna have some interesting um you know product uh, announcements i guess in that regard coming uh, fairly soon um I, uh, trying to think, um, so that, you know, and that's really professionally, um, I think the real estate business is going to be interesting, challenging in a different kind of way uh, going forward, you know, because the, the, uh, the interest rates and, and different things like that. Um, but I, I, aside from that, or like transaction volume, that kind of thing, I don't see a lot of changes there for me, you know, uh, personally. Um, and then, um, uh, I would say, uh, you know, on a personal, so, so that's kind of business, um, on a personal level, um, I'm, uh, I'm interested to see what the real estate market does because I would really like to, um, uh, potentially pick up a, another, um, another, I guess you call it like vacation home. I don't know what you call it, but, um, a short property, uh, somewhere outside of my current market. So, you know, maybe like South Carolina or something mm -hmm. like that. Um, so. So I have a number of things going on there. And then lastly, um, I'm, I'm very interested in finding a way to, um, to give back in a more, a more direct kind of way, but I don't mean like through like a, like a coaching program or something like that. I mean, um, you know, maybe like, um, um, you know, exploring like a, like a board seat on some, you know, some committee that's you know, tied to the city or, or some kind of like philanthropic thing, uh, the zoo, uh, one of the museums, the symphony, something like that. Um, so th those are the kind of like, you know, personal professional things um, that I have written down in pencil uh, for the next 12 to 18 months. Oh, that's a great point. You got it written down in pencil. Yeah, <laughs> that's part of the entrepreneur's journey, man. I totally yeah. get it, brother. Um, so cool, man. I mean, obviously, anybody that's looking to outsource their business, especially if they're in the real estate field, you would be a great person to reach out to. So how would they get in touch with you? Yeah, usually the best way is the, the website, uh, realestateprojectsolutions.com. Um, of course, so social media uh, has become um, kind of the go-to, but uh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not hard to find. Um, but uh yeah i and for you listen i would say for your listeners uh if anybody that actually you know wants to do business we would come up with some kind of discount or something for them um but more importantly everybody should know that um you know i uh i'm somebody who doesn't doesn't pitch people to the sales guys uh i i'm happy to talk to people and you know have uh, kind of no pressure conversations so i would encourage anybody that even just want some help or has a question to reach out by email or, or the website or something. And I'd be happy to get back to them. 
Absolutely fantastic, Max. So um, we'll have all that in the show notes, obviously. I want to sincerely thank you for, for giving us a glimpse into your life and into your business, Mr. Max Fish. Um, and to those of you out there chasing freedom, freedom is acquired one action at a time. So if you do nothing else, please write down at least one action that you can take within the next seven days. And it might be hiring a bookkeeper and an accountant. Um, because if you're doing that, as Max said, it makes absolutely no sense. So don't do that anymore. And then tell somebody you know that can hold you accountable. And before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. So thank you for tuning in, and we'll catch you on the next one. Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Engagement is like gold to us. We can't do what we're doing without it. Reviews and subscriptions, particularly on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, are worth more than money. So please do what you can to support the show. 